Good morning to you, Basha Riddell, award-winning journalist and columnist. <laughs> Good morning, <laughs> Richo. You yeah, well, great, to, great to have you on. Obviously, there's um, a bit of a bit of a personal connection, so I um, sort of roll in similar circles sometimes, is what I would say with Basha. But I remember I remember meeting her, meeting you and and. Um, our mutual friend Kate was like, she's a pretty big deal, this person. So, you know, <laughs> and I was like, that, your whole family's kind of like that, though, isn't it? It's quite an interesting family. Yeah, we have, um, we've got a, a couple of rock stars amongst us, but I would say the same about Kate, probably. Well, she, yes, yeah, she. So, is. who is Kate? So, name Kate Hoskin. She, she, right. we, we've had Kate on before. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, so Fred Siggins is another one. So, um, I've been trying to get Fred on for ages, but he's just. He's just too, uh, too in demand, I think. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's in he's in Germany right now. Is he? Um yeah, he's he's doing a, a, a Europe tour, um right. getting out of the rain, smart boy. <laughs> are they um are they is Cara there and are they going to Scotland? Are they doing that sort yes, of thing? Yes, yes. Um so his fiance Cara, uh her sister is getting married. So oh, that's cool. the that's the excuse for the trip, but that they're um they got they're in Germany to see uh, a good friend of Fred's and then I think they're going to Portugal or something yeah as well so they're they're making a go of it it's going to be good yeah he's he's a bit of a rock star so um so I I mean my first question is how does one become a food critic you know professionally yeah. professionally how mm. does one become one well. Generally, I would say the best way to become a food critic is to be an old white guy who works at a newspaper and gets sick of the real estate beat. Um, that's really the, <laughs> the best way to do it. Um, <laughs> that's not how I did it. But, um, usually, it's it's somebody who is already at a at a newspaper and kind of has had enough um, three martini lunches to to have opinions about restaurants. You mm. know. Um, for me, it was a very different path. I, uh, I, you know, I worked in restaurants for many, many years, and um, and went to school for journalism, and it was kind of the thing that I knew the most about. And I, I do think that people kind of um, come at it in all kinds of ways. Now, honestly, a lot of people are just so food obsessed these days, which yeah. was not the case when I when you know I, I started. Um, in uh, New York, basically, I, I, I grew up in Australia, but lived in the U.S. for 24 years, and um, and and it was just this was 20 years ago. Like people thought I was pretty weird, honestly, that I was so you know interested in food, um, despite the fact that I was pretty broke and you know <laughs> didn't didn't come from that kind of background. Yeah. But um, these these days, I think you know people come at it from all kinds of ways there there were bloggers there were you know whatever but for me it was really just that i i think of myself as a writer before a food person i would say and um but that was just the thing i knew the most about because i had been working in restaurants for so long and i think that shows in in the work that you do that the the prose is very carefully constructed and crafted and considered to be illiterate um i, I think it's there's a huge amount, as you sort of mentioned, bloggers and this sort of stuff. So I, I guess that would lead me to a question. You know, I don't know if you saw the post of some influencer who's, you know, written to a restaurant and said, right, I'll give you 3,000 likes. I need dinner for me and six of my mates and all that stuff. So that that really is – so everyone's, everyone's a critic, though. 
Yeah, they, it, it, it is. And it's hard. I think it's really hard for businesses to navigate that. Um, I, I, you know, we, I also edit this uh, website called A Plus that's for hospital people. And we, uh, Danny Valent wrote a really great story for us about the, in, you know, we called it the influencer trap. Like, yeah. um, how, how, did, how do places navigate that kind of thing? Because mm. um, it is, you know, it is important. Like social media is important and yeah. it can influence your your bottom line, but there's also a real kind of, um, you know, I, I would say <laughs> it, there's, there's a part of it that is just really icky. And, um, mm, and, yeah. you know, it, it's frustrating for me, but I also recognize the privilege that I have that is that I've always worked for a newspaper that at the very least heavily subsidized what I do. Um, you know, I, I, but it, it allows me to have a very clear line of ethics about how I mm. operate. And, um, you know, that's pretty rare. That's not something that, um, everybody has, but it, it does mean that, um, I don't have to say I like something if I don't, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which uh, is nice. That was going to be one of my questions, actually. Yeah. Are there times when you go to a restaurant and you come away and you go, there's just nothing positive I can say about that experience I just had. Yes. Um, and sometimes I decide not to write about it if mm. that is the case. But sometimes I do and, and I write something, you know, that says that. Um, it's, uh, for me, it really, sometimes it's like there's nobody really there. <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't need to put an extra nail in that coffin. You mm. know, it's yeah. you know, go on its own the times that i um that i do end up writing about it is when often you know a place has had a lot of hype or they have a really big pr machine or i mean i did one in melbourne uh in the last year for this place the boiling crab which is an american chain but oh, is it american anyway it's international mm-hmm. um and uh you know it was funny because i had been in miss katie's crab shack um mm-hmm in Detroit before then and uh, she was talking about how she was closing down because there weren't enough people who, you know, wanted to have crab all the time and then she saw this place opening and she was like, well, that's the nail in the coffin for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, and it was like, okay, I'm going to go to this place. It's an international chain. Um, it's quite expensive. It's very gimmicky and it's terrible. Like it's awful. And not only that, I could tell that like they were just treating their staff really badly. They had like, you know, they they had um, they were going around with iPhones like scanning like timing people um, oh. when you know like that kind of thing. And everybody seemed really on edge and kind of terrified. So everything about it was just like bad and. I was like, that's worth writing about because people are going to go out of curiosity to spend mm. their money and it's a not insignificant amount of money. And, you know, it's just going to be, um, you know, it, it, it seemed craven to me. It seemed, yeah. you know, it wasn't just somebody who was trying to do something and not doing well. But, you know, there, most of the time there's something um, positive I can say, even if the place isn't great. And, always i'm trying to help i'm i'm never i'm not the kind of of critic who has Mm. a whole lot of fun just being mean you know (laughs) like i I get that those things are fun to read but like i come from the industry and i want to help people Mm. get better if there is a problem you know well famously there was a another journalist with the age um who they used to call close them downs 
And he was just, <laughs> Stephen Downs, he was just mean. Really? Yeah. Wow. He was just, that was his thing. And it just, you know, restaurants wouldn't let him in because he yeah. would damage their reputation. Yeah. And I just don't see the the, the benefit to anybody of that. You know, I, mm. I, I feel as though, I mean, again, we've all had that really disappointing, crappy restaurant experience and we've spent money that was hard-earned and all of that. And, and that is sad and it sucks and, you know, but it's so... I mean, honestly, too, it's really rare these days, and it yeah. often is places. I mean, I won't name it, but I decided not to write about a restaurant that opened in a new hotel recently because I went, and it was just so bad. But I looked around, and I was like, nobody's here. Like, it's Friday night. This place has just opened a month ago. You know, it's – I don't – you know, this yeah. – I mean, it, it would be a, a, a fun and maybe funny thing to do, but, you know, I, you think about the people who – work there, whatever, it's just, it's not worth it. And mm. and if it was, if that place had been really pretty busy, I might have written about it just to be like, look, don't spend your money. Again, there's not yeah. like a family behind it who I'm going to kill their livelihood. It's just mm. a hotel group, you know, but I, but there has to be a reason for me to do it. And like to, to be just mean is, is not, no. you know, and not it's, worth it. Let's be honest. It's bloody hard to, open a restaurant right? oh my god so so, so yeah. that, that sort of brings me to some consistency with people like andrew mcconnell who seems to have the midas touch what what mm. is it about about someone like andrew mcconnell that like gimlet's awesome and yeah. like, how, how, do, how does he keep doing it is he is he a genius has he just got a good business model uh, or is it i think it's um a lot to do with the people that he hires and the people yeah. that he um you know mm chooses to, to run his places. I mean, obviously, um, he is very, very good at um, at creating a menu that is consistent. And if I have any beef with Andrew McConnell at all, it's that, it's that like a lot of the food in a lot of his places is pretty similar, yeah. but that's because he knows what he's doing and he <laughs> yeah. does it well and he doesn't go outside of that box, you know? Yeah. Mm. Um, and you just know if you're going to one of his restaurants that it's going to be good, but you know what you're getting as well. Like it's going to be Andrew McConnell food, which again, yeah. that's not really a criticism. It's no. he does what he does no. incredibly so more well. Like a signature, really. And the, the yeah, service is. side is so important for oh. him. It is, and, yeah. and the training he puts into it. Um, it's and true, and yeah. And I think that's such an amazing thing for the industry, right? Because it is young yeah. kids coming through, starters, you know, in a junior role, and they get they get shown amazing food and amazing ways to do things and really precise service level and uh, and then they will you know if they choose to stay in the industry they'll be the the managers of the future right yeah absolutely yeah and i think you know they actually that group does have um kind of hiring practices where they do like to get people pretty young they do like to get pretty green um you know people to start uh without a whole bunch of I mean obviously they they will hire people who have a lot of experience but they uh, they like to get people who are new to the industry so that they can train them exactly how they would like to have them trained and I and I think they treat their people really well too yeah. which is you know just um I think so undervalued in terms of I mean I was talking about that thing with the boiling crab and it's funny because I did get a bit of pushback from readers with that like you there's no way you could tell but that 
having worked in the industry, I feel like I can tell yeah. <laughs> when I think anybody who has worked in the industry a lot can tell when, um, you know, you walk into a place and you get that feeling where it's just like the vibes are totally off. Like you're like, yeah. oh, somebody here is a dickhead <laughs> and everybody can feel it, you know. <laughs> Um, somebody in power here yeah. is, is not treating people well, and um, it just it, it makes such a huge difference. Yeah, it does. Uh, so we're chatting with Basha Rodell, who's a food critic with the Age, and uh, so you you also did you wrote for the New York Times. What was it like? What's the scene like in in New York compared to say Melbourne in terms of are we doing things really well here compared to internationally? Do you think? I, I think we are. Um, my my best comparison would actually be L.A. When I worked for the New York Times, I was writing for their bureau here, actually. Um, yeah. So I was writing about Australia. And I have lived in New York, but it's been 20 years since I've lived in New oh, York. Oh, right. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I've been there a bunch. But um, but I, I lived in L.A. right before I moved back here um, oh. and was there for six years. And, um, I mean, I do think... Uh, Melbourne has a internationally worthy, you know, food scene. I think that we compete on a pretty good level. Um, you know, there are things about America that I miss that we don't do particularly well. You know, I wish we had better Mexican food. <laughs> <at least>. um, <laughs> yeah. You know, but and but one of my big complaints when I got here was I was like, I really wish we had better. Japanese food, you know, sushi in particular, and that is changing. You know, we we have in just in the last year, a bunch of places have opened that are really fantastic that um, we wouldn't have seen five years ago. But you know, the other thing that I used to kind of complain about and still do a bit, um, but I see changing is that I I want places, I want Australia to be Australian. I want it to feel Australian. I want the restaurants here if you were to be dropped there blindfolded and not know where you were to, to, to know that you couldn't be anywhere but Australia. And I think that, you know, um, a lot of people for a long time kind of assumed that to mean native ingredients and, yep. you know, were kind mm -hmm. of Attica was doing that and nobody else was doing it. And, and I don't think that that's the only path. I mean, it's certainly one way to it, but, um, but, you know, <laughs> I love, you know, for instance, um, seeing stuff like on, you know, the menu at Sarai, which is a, a Filipino restaurant, um, but he does a version of a Golden Gay Time for dessert that is delicious and fun. And, you know, there are, there are just touchstones of Australian ingredients, Australian yeah. culture that people can um, turn to uh, using Australian um, spirits in your cocktails rather than having a back bar that is wholly, you know, European, um, Australian wine, you know, and, and wine is probably the place where we do the best with that, with our restaurants. People are very supportive of the wine industry, which mm -hmm. is great. Um, but, you know, I, I, I feel like the, it's getting there. But I, I, I love the restaurants here and I love how European they are in a lot of ways. But mm -hmm. um, I, I, I love to seeing people kind of making things more Australian. Yeah, so... I sort of recall about 20 years ago in Sydney there was there was like a bit of a trend towards these high-end sandwichy type joints, you know, and obviously mm -hmm. America, America does that pretty well, you know, certainly New York does and I'm sure LA does too. Are we trending yeah. at the moment in Melbourne with that sort of thing, do you reckon? Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's probably sandwiches is like the biggest <laughs> thing, which is interesting. I think that it, you know, is a bit of a post-COVID thing. I think um, 
you know, uh, like there's a place in Fitzroy, Jolly Good Sandwiches, and that that guy was a chef at Gimlet, I think. And I, I do think that there's a part of it too where it's just chefs who are like, I would like to see my family one day. <laughs> so, they're like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so they're like, I can work normal hours if I have the sandwich shop. Um, so, uh, but it's great. I mean, I'm, I, I really, you know, I think that that's kind of the, one of the true hallmarks of a great food city is that that great food is, can cost $10, can cost, you know, $300 and everything in between. And so, we have that to a certain extent, but we're not a street food city at all. No. You know, we just never have been. And so, um, the the obvious kind of way that that is going to happen is is with something like the sandwich shop. But man, still, I mean, I miss the uh, deli sandwiches yeah. of America so much. Like cats, you know, <laughs> cats deli or whatever. Well, you know what? Well, I'm... not just that. Like just anywhere in New York, you can walk into any bodega. You know, their version of a milk bar and yeah. get a, it's not that giant Jewish deli sandwich I'm talking about. It's just like a turkey sandwich on a good roll with a bunch of lettuce yeah. and, a, and the cheese of your choice. It's just so good. I, mm. I used to love watching um, Law and Order. In the yeah. early episodes of that, um, one of the detectives, like one of the, the things of the show was he always had to have like a bagel or a sabrette hot dog or something New yep. York-y. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Lenny Briscoe loved it. Well, you know what yeah. I miss though? I miss the f- I miss the $4.50 bun me. Yeah. It's well, like 15 I mean, bucks everywhere now to get, and it's all, it's gone all hoity-toity. Yeah. Well, you know what though? That's probably what those ingredients cost. And yeah. I, 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 I struggle to be mad that food is too expensive because yeah. I feel as though um, it, it basically means that people are getting paid <laughs> who yeah. weren't previously, oh, okay. whether that be the person making the me or the farmer or whoever it yeah. was, you know, like mm. the person who is lowest in the food chain literally um, is always getting exploited when your food is too cheap. Yeah. Hate to be the bearer of that news. <laughs> well, no, that, yeah, you probably put me in my box there. Well done, that's fine. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, we, we used to go down to Newland Bakery in Richmond, and um, it was just insane. The quality was insane. Mm. They, they, yeah. they, they would pump them out, and the quality was great, and the ingredients were good. So I get, I think they've still got one over in, in Footscray, but you know, I guess it's just become really trendy now as well, hasn't it? Mm. It has, yeah. People people love them, and for good reason. And you know, I, again, it's that thing of, um, <laughs> you know, everybody wants the cheap and cheerful. But yeah. um, I think also it's just people saying, well, no, we we deserve to get paid too. And there's the whole yeah. question of why don't we want to pay for you know Asian noodles when we're happy to pay for pasta? That kind of you know, yeah, like good, I, I feel like the, the the more that um, people recognize the value is probably good. Yeah, yeah. I think, and you know, probably we're we're eating better. We we talk often about drinking better. You know, drinking. Mm. Um, you know, choosing. You know, to up, upgrade maybe the. You know, have less wine but have better wine and yeah, that sort of thing. For um, sure. Well, and everybody, everybody's when you know with the proliferation of things like ye olde master chef and whatnot. People, people are actually much more in tune with uh, ingredients and what they're doing at home. So I think they are they more have willing a bit... to explore and well, experiment. And they, and they also they have a better palate for when they go Definitely. out and dine somewhere, don't they? Mm. Yeah, I think. I mean, everything has changed in the last fifteen years in terms of 
kind of the public knowledge and excitement and all of that. And I do think that a lot of it has to do with um, the kind of master chef type of thing in, in the U.S. It was top chef, but it, it, it yeah. was, you know, it really worked to kind of um, democratize in some ways the, the dining scene that used to be really, you know, I, I think about like, the New Yorker in the 80s and even early 90s probably would have the cartoon and all you had to do for the cartoon to designate a rich person was put them in a restaurant with a waiter, you know? It was like, <laughs> that made them snobby, you know? Like, they could, they would, oh, or if they were eating sushi, my God, that was like, then they would just obviously yuppie, you know? And <laughs> yeah. um, and that just isn't the case anymore, which is, which is probably good for everyone. It's certainly good for the industry. All right. I've got a question for you about it's Sunday night. I don't feel like cooking. I've got a really nice bottle of Sangiovese. Where am I going to get my best pizza from at the moment, do you reckon? Oh, man, that is a hard one. Um, <laughs> I would say, uh, well, I mean, Figlia in, in Brunswick East, um, which is the, the typical guys, yeah. um, uh, I, that's probably my favourite pizza Um uh, right now in Melbourne, um, you know, but I also just am such a fan. Again, talk about making uh, Australia more Australian, celebrating the things that we actually have that other people don't have. Like, I just like a Ligon Street Capriciosa, like I do, yeah. you know, okay. and, and we're so snobby about that, which is so dumb. Like, uh, you know, New York is not ashamed of New York style pizza. Why is Melbourne ashamed of uh, Melbourne style pizza? It is a thing that exists that's good. We should be <laughs> celebrating it. You know? I mean, look, some of those places use frozen bad crusts and stuff, and you know which ones those are. But yeah. but, but but there's most of them are, are, are actually pretty good. Those you know, and if they get a lot of tourist traffic, like good for them too. Yeah. So. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> Eat a capriciosa. Capriciosas are delicious, and they don't exist in America. No. It's like it's, it's unique to us in like one place in Italy. So yeah, yeah. yeah. wow. Well, that's what I love about Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, we've got our own things going on here. And um, oh, the the Swedes thought I was mad for putting beetroot on hamburgers over there, but I, I'd make my own burger and and do it. And I just I just like it, you know. Yeah. Yep. It's good. Yeah, I it's, like it. It's, it's tasty. It's undeniably good. Yeah. <laughs> um. Alicia, it's been fabulous. Um, the chat, thank you. Um, no worries. It's uh, what an exciting world you live in. You know. Just yeah. Where lucky. are you going out tonight? Somewhere to to review? I am. I'm not going for review though. I'm uh, going for family dinner for at the one House. Yeah. <laughs> Happy days. Happy days. Yeah. You can just sit back and enjoy the <laughs> yeah. glass of wine and not have to make any notes. Yes, yeah, so I, exactly. I find this meatloaf shadow and pedantic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty easy for me to turn off my critical. It's, yeah. it's a relief. Oh <laughs> uh, well, yeah, what a in, treat! Thanks so enjoy, much for coming on. Yeah, yeah. Have a good night, and um, Thank yeah, you. enjoy your afternoon. Thanks you good as one. well. Thank you. Bye.